Hallelujah. Amen. How many really believe that God is a wonderful God, God of miracles and wonders? Amen. Um, at this time, you have a child between the age of 2 and 10. Please allow them to go to Children's Church. Uh, also to announce to you that uh, we also have a area, if you have a child that's younger than 2, uh, certainly we have an area upstairs that they can go here to service. Amen? Amen. Glad you would be seated for a minute. Um, I want to encourage you to uh, be a part of the symposium, um, as uh, Pastor Lorraine has talked to you about. And also, I, I want to just ask you to consider, strongly consider, being a part of the next session uh, in line for Blessing Generations. Um, Blessing Generations is just one of a number of series of ministry that um, has been, been going on for a number of years by Family Foundations Institute. And uh, Pastor Chandler and China Cleveland will be in town to help to uh, facilitate a number of these uh, sessions. So I want, I think we got a video set up, so I want you to just take a look at um, Craig Hill, who's the founder of Family Foundations, to, to talk about transforming hearts. Hey everybody, it's Craig Hill, founder of Family Foundations International and author of the best-selling book, The Power of a Parent's Blessing. <clears throat> I want to let you know about an upcoming Transforming Hearts encounter that's going to be right here. I'm so excited about this because we hear so many incredible reports of people's hearts actually being transformed. This will go much, much deeper than what you might have experienced in a blessing generations or empowering relationships encounter or overcoming anger that you might have already gone through. This is a second level encounter. And so the ministry goes much quick, more quickly, much deeper, and you can expect God to really touch the hidden areas of your heart that have hardened, where you've got hidden defense mechanisms where you're defending yourself and maybe don't even know it. You'll, you'll identify and remove the roots of shame, replace them with truth. The Holy Spirit will be present to begin to show you how to identify yourself in a spirit rather than in the flesh and to learn how to really operate as a new creation that God has created you to be. So this is a seminar that goes deeper than anything you've experienced before. Many, many people have shared with us, you know, when I went to the Transforming Hearts Encounter, it just went like not twice as deep, but five or ten times deeper, removed the remnant lies of my own self-sabotage mechanisms and released me to really be free in my relationships, to be free in my finances, and especially to be free in my relationship with God. So don't miss out on the upcoming Transforming Hearts Encounter. So we encourage you to be a part of that session happening on November 8th and November 9th. Uh, so you want to sign up now because a number of our churches are going to be a part of that. And so certainly you definitely want to get in. Amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Oh, praise God. We stand one more time. We're going to get right, right into what God is saying. Um, this morning, I want to just uh, begin uh, to talk to you in this uh, as we close out the year of 2019, getting close to, it's hard to believe it's October, isn't it? Yes, yes. My Lord have mercy. <laughs> um, 
to start really to ponder what God wants to do, not only with your life, but with what he has entrusted you with. Empowerment is also not only about how we think about things, but we, how we use things that he has entrusted us with. And so as we're talking about discipleship, we can't talk about discipleship just on a spiritual plane and not talk about what it means in a natural plane. Um, it's, a, it's kind of like a two-sided approach or two-handed approach. I mean, God gave us a brain, but we have a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere, right? We, in order to function, you have to have the, both hemispheres function because they both have certain faculties and qualities that we need in order to function. And so you just can't have everything in terms of prayer and worship. You have to have some practical applications to, order, to understand how to put those things and activate them in the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've you got to understand how to make faith and life connect. And so as we're talking about stewardship, I, I want to kind of bring you a big idea about stewardship and kind of have you thinking differently about how do you handle and manage the things that God wants, wants us to do and have. And so my title of my message today is Stewardship Under God. Stewardship Under God. Say that with me. Stewardship Under God. There, there's all kinds of different stewardships. We understand that stewardship under God has a tone of like we pledge the allegiance and we have in the Pledge of Allegiance that term, one nation, what? Under God, indivisible, with liberty, justice for all. We say that, but we really need that. Now, everybody who pledges the allegiance doesn't live by that allegiance. But we who are believers in Christ, when we talk about stewardship under God, we want to have an allegiance to how God would have us to do stewardship. Because there's all kinds of stewardship models that are out there. And if you're not careful, you're going to mismanage what God has given to you and what he has blessed you with. So it's important that you get a blessing, but it's important that you understand how to manage the blessing that you get. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity and thank you for this wonderful occasion, Lord, that we have come on the first Sunday of the 10th month of the year. So, Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, that even though, God, Father, we are close to the end, two months to go, God, we just know, God, you still want to do more. And so, Father, we thank you for all that you're going to do for us. Thank you for what you're going to do on behalf of the church at large. We bless you, God, today because you truly are our our miracle worker. And so, God, thank you for being who you are And thank you, O God, for giving us listening ears to hear the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Just seated. You want to get get your Bible or get some type of device, and you want to just kind of jot scriptures down. I didn't have you read a scripture in the opening, uh, in the case of the opening, like I normally do, because there's several scriptures that I want you to take note of when it comes to stewardship of, under God. So I'm giving you what I call a foundational thought today. Is that okay? Okay. So I'm, I'm going to give you some foundations when it comes to this area of stewardship. There are five disciplines that we talk about 
in this, in this house where we want to raise up disciples. How many of you know that Jesus calls us to make disciples? Right? Disciples are different, are those who are disciplined ones, who are learners, who are followers of Jesus. But we want to understand that in our context of abundant life, there are five dimensions, five values that I want you to understand as a church that we're going to build on in our discipleship. The first one is spiritual formation. Somebody say spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. Spiritual formation has to do with how we relate to God, how we love God, how we worship God. Spiritual formation has to do with my spiritual life is being connected and growing in the things of God. How many of you know that God wants to have a connection with you and he wants to have a relationship with you? See, religion is man's way of trying to get to God, but God wants a relationship with me. He wants to talk with me. So every morning, every day, every hour, your spirit is open so God can speak something into your spirit. The Holy Spirit has, has the ability to tell you things. You, you don't hear? Do you, how many of you know that there's a God that we serve that speaks? Does he speak to you? Does he speak? Can I get a witness in the building? Does he speak to you? He speaks. I'm glad I serve a God that speaks to me. In fact, he speaks so much, he says, that, you know what, my sheep, which you are and which I am, they hear his voice. You're able to hear God's voice. Because you know the shepherd, you're able to hear him. And he's speaking all the time. We may not pay attention all the time or do what we're supposed to do all the time. Can I get a witness in the building? We, we don't always kind of obey what he's saying, but, that, you know, he keeps speaking to us. He keeps speaking to us. And so I'm glad that he, he loves us enough and we need to learn how to love him. But then there's personal wholeness. There's a, an emotional healthiness that comes with serving God. Comes with serving God. That, that, that in my emotions, the way I emote, I respond. That, that even when it comes to God and me worshiping God, there's a way that I respond to people. I respond to things. I can respond when things are not going right in a certain way because I know God. Now, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. But there is a, re- a way to respond. There's times when you will lament or you will be sad and you cry. There's, there's places in the scriptures where David cried out to the Lord. But then there's times where you need to stop crying and stand up under pressure. You, you hear what I'm saying? There's times you just need to put, get, your, get your back straight. Emotional healthiness that we, we, we don't have to have, have a, a congregation that every time we have a disagreement, we fall out with each other. We learn how to forgive each other. It's all part of being emotionally healthy. People who are not healthy emotionally cannot forgive people. They hold grudges. They're, they're, they're individuals who will hold on to a grudge forever, as it were, until they get their pound of flesh. Pound of flesh. Right? And so what happens is, is that we need to understand very clearly that emotional healthiness is important for us. And then we need to understand as well that once we have personal wholeness, we have to have healthy relationships. We have to love our neighbors. You need to love your neighbors. Love your neighbors as you do yourself. That's hard to do. Isn't it hard to do? You got to love the person at work that don't love you. It's getting quieter as I preach. 
You have to love the people around you. Then we have to look at what it means to have vocational clarity, a clear sense of personal purpose. Um, as, a, as, as a church, uh, you should have a sense of what you're called to do. Yeah. What you are called to do. You shouldn't live your life 60, 70, 80, 90 years and never connect with why you're here. Right? Right? There's a lot of people who go into churches and they worship and they pray and they do all kinds of service, uh, all kind of, and they have no idea why they're on the planet. There's a reason why God put you on the planet. There's a reason why you're the color you are, the age you are. Come on now. There's a reason why you have the children you have. I know you want to send them away. <laughs> No, you want to pack them up and send them away sometimes. Say, God gave you that child for a reason. There's a purpose. That child needed you and you needed that child. Because he, they're working something out in you and you're working something out in them. And if you work together, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. We, we, we have personal, a sense of personal purpose, a sense of personal mission. Um, but then we understand that we are to also have an understanding of how we serve the community, and that deals with economics in our work. The word stewardship in the Greek is okonomia, which means economics. That's why economics are. It has to do with a system of the way distribution of resources. So I wonder how God is going to, and you probably heard this saying, that God is going to do a transfer of wealth. Have you heard that before? How would God do a transfer of wealth for people that don't know how to handle nothing? Who would he transfer it to? So there is a place where we need to know what it means to serve and utilize resources. And so when it comes to stewardship, we have to have an understanding of how it operates at a a macro level. Not just money. Because I know people get scared when I say stewardship. Oh, God, he's going to talk about offering. Oh, Lord Jesus, he's going to talk about offering. I am going to. <laughs> that's that's going to be our next episode. <laughs> you are going to talk about offering and tithing and that kind of thing. But I, I want to give you a macro level of, of stewardship, okay? So here we go. The definition of stewardship is this. A careful use, say careful. You gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. Somebody say careful. You can't you you can't be a person that's just frivolously and carelessly going about stewardship. You gotta be careful. He's, it's a careful use, control, and management of the possessions of another that have been entrusted to one. The term is also used to refer of the responsible use of wealth and possessions by Christians. In other words, it's about learning how to use, control, and manage what God has given to you. Well, the question is, what has God given you? If you don't know what God has given to you, you won't know how to manage it. If you believe you gave it to you, you get to determine how you're going to manage it. So here it is. Number one, stewardship begins 
with God. It does not begin with the bank. It does not begin with my employer. It does not begin with what I have in my pocket or do not have in my pocket. It it begins with God. The scripture tells us in Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you know that's 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 a big statement, even though it's a small phrase. As the creator, God created everything. In Psalm chapter 24, verses 1 to 3, just in reference, it says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwells therein. How many believe that God created everything? Some of you don't believe God created it. I believe that God created it. I think the evolutionists have to have more faith than I have. Big bag theory for me doesn't work. Being from a, being a science major, I'm saying, how could chaos come from nothing? Somebody has to be behind something that's organized. So God creates everything. He owns everything. And so stewardship really starts with God. You cannot be a good steward until you understand that God owns everything. One of the things we say at funerals all the time, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We have brought nothing into this world and be certainly you ain't going to take nothing out. We come in naked and we go out naked with nothing. So here's the idea of stewardship that God, first of all, he owns it all. Everything. Now, when God, who owns it all, he has a plan for what he owns. Right? He has a plan for what he owns. Genesis chapter 1, verse 30, verse 1 verse th- to 31. As God creates the heaven and earth, he sees that the earth was out form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. And then the Bible opens and says, okay, well, God said, look, I see it. It's in chaos and confusion. That is not what I want. So here it is. God begins to speak what he wants. That's a word right there. How many of you understand that you shouldn't speak Simply what you got, you should speak what you want. If you speak what you want, it's going to manifest because that's how it works. God spoke what he wanted, not what he had. He he saw chaos, but he said, oh, man, God, angels, look at how terrible this day. Isn't this a terrible day? This is rotten. This is just terrible. I think this is just a bad day. This is just terrible. No, he started speaking life into chaos. He used his words. See, when you start having a day that's going in the wrong direction, you need to change the words that are coming out your mouth. He changed his word, which, which, which reveals what was on his mind. And in six days, he went through an order of creation to fix the disorganized thing. In other words, he took stewardship and put it into action. He learned how to manage the chaos. If if we're going to deal in our world of chaos, we got to learn how to be good managers. 
good stewards. The reason why some of you have a job is because there's a problem. You don't, you don't agree? If there was no problem, you wouldn't have a job. I didn't say you were the problem. I just said, if there is no problem, why are you there? You're hired to solve somebody's problem. Somebody had a need. Somebody had something they couldn't do or something that needed to be done, something that was in chaos, something that didn't work. And so they said, ah, we have an opening because we need somebody that can step in this chaos and fix it. Isn't it interesting that the church does not see its role in a chaotic world that we're there to fix some stuff? We're there to fix some stuff. So God gives us resources to help us do that. So in six days, he does light, atmosphere. He does the ground, day three. Day four, the sun and the moon are created. Then birds begin to fly on day five. Then day six, animals and humans are now created. Then he says, all right, now I've done all that work. Time to rest. It's a model of God's stewardship. So God had a purpose for what he made, what he created, and now he puts man on the scene. Are you with me? So God has a purpose for Adam. So let's go to to, to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. When God gets to the place of creating man on the sixth day, he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule. One version says, have dominion, say dominion, to dominate, to rule. In other words, mankind was created to rule in God's creation not be ruled by it. We're not ruled by created things. We're not ruled by Facebook. At least some of us ain't. We're not to be ruled by plants. You don't want me to go there. We don't get, we don't, we don't have, we, we have rulership over those things. We have rulership. We have dominion over those things. That's why he created us. He said, and give them that they may have rule over fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over livestock and over wild beasts or animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image and his image of God. He created them male and you all know the book male and female. He created them. And and what he did, once he created them, he blessed them. The blessing was on them because they had something to do. The blessing comes on you because of what you need to do. The blessing doesn't come on you just because to make you feel good. Or the blessing doesn't come on me just to make me feel a certain way about myself. The blessing comes for me to function. Why are you blessed and you don't function? Why why are you blessed? You're blessed to function. He endowed you, empowered you, enabled you to function. And so when he gives you a blessing, that means he's calling you to function. Meaning the more blessing, the more functional you should be. 
Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. People call blessing all kinds of feel. Oh, I feel blessed. Look, what's your function? My washing machine is not a blessing if it don't wash clothes. Come on now. If I can just hear a humming and there's no wash clothes, it's not a blessing. You're blessed to function. Somebody say function. Somebody say function. Somebody say function. Somebody fu- turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to function now. It's time to function now. It's time to function. God has blessed you. God has delivered you. God has saved you. God has anointed you. Now it's time to function. It's time to function. It's time to really be about what God is doing. He said, all right, all right, Adam, now it's time for you to function. He blesses them. And he said to them, be fruitful. Oh, my goodness. Be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. In other words, there's no time for infertility around you. You need to be fruitful in all that God has called you to be and do. I called you to be fruitful. He called you to succeed. He called you to have success in your life. There's nothing wrong with that word success. And it's more than just having something nice. He wants you to have success in every way. Every measure, every dimension. He called them to be fruitful and to increase and to fill the earth and subdue it. To rule over the fish and the sea and the the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That's verse 28. And so Adam was in the garden to address a problem. That's the next point. He addresses a problem, and here's the problem. You know what the problem is? God has an earth where no one is stewarding it. No one is there to take care of what he creates. Chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. When God has created the heavens, or this is the account of heavens and earth, when they created, when God made the, heaven, heaven, the earth and the heavens, <clears throat> it says in verse 2, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. In other words, the earth was desolate. There was no shrubs. There was no, there was no plant life on the earth. And uh, no plants have sprung up, for the Lord had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no one to work the ground. That's what the scripture says. Are you following me? There was no one to work the ground. Isn't it amazing that God held back the rain that would produce the plants because he found no one to work the ground? Could it be that God holds up a blessing because you ain't working your ground? Ooh, Lord have mercy. So God, see, God has enough sense. God has enough wisdom in, his, in himself to know that if I am not in place to do what he has called me to do, to function in the blessing, why would he send the blessing so it would be missed? God ain't sending us blessings so we can miss it. He'd rather hold it back. There was no rain until there was a man. There was no rain until there was someone to work the ground. There's no ministry unless there's a leader. Oh, my. You have to have somebody who's taking care of what God has given. So he said there was there was there was no the Lord did not let it rain because there's no one to work the ground. But the streams underneath were watering it. 
And the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into his nostrils. And man became a living nefesh or a living soul. So the reason why God breathed into man, because he needed someone to steward a garden, to subdue the earth, to be, have, have dominion, and to manage what he gave. You follow me? So Adam was the first steward on the earth, humanly speaking. He was the first steward. Now, in verse 15 of chapter 2, it continues on about Adam and his stewardship. It says, the Lord God took the man once he created him and put him in the garden of Eden. Now, notice what he put him in the garden to do. It says very clearly, he put him in the garden to work, to work, to work, to work. That work is not work. Work is not something we should be allergic to. Work, work is not simply a evidence of the fall. It has been impacted by the fall, but it's not because of the fall. Work was before the fall. Can you say that with me? Works was before the fall. So there's nothing wrong with work. But our work has been, been impacted by sin. So anybody should be going to work. Two amens in the house. Anybody should go to work. But anyway, you were made to work. And take care of the garden. So there's a work and there's a care. There's a work and then there's a management. There's a work and then you cultivate what you're working on. In other words, there's a level of responsibility to what you have and you have to cultivate what you have. I, I used to teach for the, for the state sourcing. Anybody heard that term before? Yeah. Sourcing. Which basically helps people to, helps uh, organizations within the state to procure services or get services or buy things. But some of them bought things and never thought about what it would cost them to maintain what they bought. So they would get copy machines that nobody would put toner in. They would get copy machines that would remain unserviced because there's a cost to take care of what you own. When you buy a house, you ain't done. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? How many homeowners in here? You thought it was just living in the house, and now you got, oh, my goodness, I got to rake the lawn. I got to do every. It's almost like there's a laundry list of things. You'll never be able to say, oh, there's nothing to do. You can always look and find something to do. Because if you don't maintain it, it's going to fall apart. You don't maintain your car, your car is going to fall apart. You don't put oil in oil. Supposed to put oil in a car? I mean, I thought it just ran. Oil? Well, I didn't know that the car needed oil. I just get in and ride. 
you know, you got to change your oil. You got to, you got to change it consistently. And they put in the manufacturer puts uh, a document together to tell you how often you should change it and when you should change it. In fact, you got one of those things called the idiot light. Not saying you're an idiot. I just said you got a light. You just have the light. The light. What's that light going on? I see that light going on all the time. I don't pay attention to that light. We just drive it. And then yeah, the little man with the, the little man with the with the wrench. It means that you 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 now have to take it to get it maintenance or get it service because if you don't, you are actually going to cause the vehicle to malfunction. Without stewardship, things malfunction. Our church malfunctions because there's no stewardship. Families malfunction because there's no stewardship. Marriages become dysfunctional because there's no stewardship. Come on now. My wife loves me, but I'm a piece of work. I am. So are you. Everybody's a piece of work. Everybody's a piece of work. Well, I didn't know that was going to take all that work when I got married, but believe me, that's what you signed up for. You didn't know you signed up for work? It is a job. Come on, Lois. Come on now. She said, it's a job. (laughs) It is. Because not only do you have to have a marriage, you got to cultivate the relationship and cause it to grow. So you have to take care of it. Take care of it. You have to take care of your stuff. Tell your neighbor, take care of your stuff. Take care, take care. If God has blessed you with something, take care of it. Take care of your stuff. If God bless you with a car or bless you with a house or bless you with nice clothes, right? Take care of it. If you have clothes on, take care of it. Hang it up. Hang it, hang it. You know, I don't always try to hang up my clothes, but I, I try to take care of my clothes. <laughs> try to. You got shoes, keep shining them. Well, you know, yeah. I, I know, just get another pair of shoes. <laughs> but you got to take care of your stuff. You got to take care of, you got to take, you got a job, take care of your job. Well, man, the, right? He, he had to take care. He's the first steward. And verse two, verse, uh, chapter two, verse 17, let me move on. Though he has stewardship and he's taking care of things, he has several things to consider. God begins to talk to him about several things. He has access. He has responsibility. He has freedom. He has guidelines. And he has accountability. All of those things are involved in stewardship. Access is a blessing. He said, he, he gave him access to everything, but, he, but then he said, while you have access to everything, there's a guideline here. You have some freedom. Don't touch that tree. Don't t- See that tree over there? You can eat off of anything in this garden. Don't touch that. Stewardship comes with guidelines. Stewardship comes with Understanding what is not to be touched. Wow. So even God had some 
you know, some guidelines to say, hey, you can function this way, but this is the guideline. Every job needs to have guidelines. Come on now. That's because you're the anointed, of, the anointed and appointed. That don't mean you can do whatever you want. You don't do what you, you, don't do what you want because you're anointed and appointed. You got guidelines. You got, you got some guidelines to follow. In other words, there's a protocol here. He says, all right, don't touch that tree. And if you touch it, I'm holding you accountable. I'm holding you accountable. Do you know accountability is part of stewardship? Accountability. Um, accountability for your physical health. Oh, wow. You all right? Yes. Who, who, you're accountable. I'm a, I got to be accountable, Brother Ron, for the, this body because God gave me this body. He gave it to me. And he's going to ask me, what did you do with my temple? What did you put into the temple? What did you, what did you do with your temple? What did you do with the possessions I gave you? What did you do with the family, the, the children I gave you? What, what, what did you do with that job that I gave you? I mean, you prayed and I opened up access to you. And then all of a sudden, you acting like the fool. What's up with that? I'm holding you accountable for that. He's held accountable. And so when it comes to accountability, you have to understand that no one's off the hook. I'm accountable for what happens with the souls in this church. He's going to hold me accountable. But also, he's going to hold you accountable. Did you realize that? Well, I just go to church. Be careful. Be careful because you're held accountable. Once you hear the word of the Lord, you are accountable for that word. You're accountable for that word. But I wasn't there. I wasn't paying attention. God said you were there and you should hear what the Lord was saying, what I was telling you. Now you're accountable for what you hear. There is a place in stewardship by which we have to integrate all of that. Do you hear what I'm saying? I have to integrate accountability. I just can't go and do what I want as a bishop. See, that's why we got problems. You say I got problems? From all the way up to the top of the government, all the way down, because people want to function without accountability. I don't want nobody asking me nothing. I'm grown. I'm a grown um, somebody. Well, let me tell you, grown somebody, you'll never grow out of God's accountability. Never, never. Everybody who stands before him is going to have to give an account of the deeds that they have done in this body, whether they be good or bad. That's the scripture. So we're held accountable. And you know what? We also have to hold each other accountable. Two amens. So stewardship involves all of that. Without responsibility, let me say something about responsibility, and we'll talk about responsibility and stewardship. No one can really practice stewardship under God if they don't want to be responsible. In other words, never give your stuff to somebody who doesn't want to be responsible. Never loan your stuff to anybody who won't be. Well, you know, can I borrow your rake? Well, let me ask you a question. How am I going to get it back? And I don't mean how you're going to give me. I want what condition are you going to give it back to me? 
well, you know, um, I was using it and it broke. I'm sorry. Are you sorry enough to get me another rake? They call that repentance. They call that the fruit of repentance. You broke it. Bring, go, you need to either fix it or you need to replace it. I ain't got no witnesses in the building. I ain't got no witnesses in the building. You broke my car, you better fix my car. Because you you're the person that was driving it. That's responsibility. That's responsibility. So everybody, and think of it this way, if everybody practiced that, what kind of world would we live in? What, what kind of world would we live in if everybody practiced stewardship that way? I tell you what, you wouldn't have so much blaming people. You wouldn't have so much conflict because people would take responsibility. People would be accountable. So here it is. Let me move on. Stewardship is a collaborative effort. It's a collaborative effort. When you're managing under God, it's not just me managing my stuff, but there's something bigger that God has called us to that we have to work together on. So he calls in chapter 2, verse 18 to 22, when God called, I should say called, but God formed Adam, he saw something that was needful. He saw that he was alone. Now, I know we use this in terms of marriage, relationship, coming together of two individuals, but why was she there? Well, she was a suitable helpmeet to help him do what? To work. You don't see marriage in there. She's in there working. (laughs) She's working with him. Marriage is implied, but she's there to help him work. But you don't hear what I'm saying. So both of them are working. Both of them are stewardship. Both of them are actively engaged in the stewardship of their responsibilities. Both of them have responsibility. Both of them have access. He said, it's not good to be for, him, for men to be alone. I will provide a helper that's suitable for him. And so when God looked around, he couldn't find a suitable person to work with. So here's what, here's, here's what I want to tell you if you want to get married. If you're already married, too late. <laughs> too late. You got, you got to, you know, if you change, you got a chance. You might got a chance. But, but, but here's, here's what you need to understand about relationship to the person that God would have for you. It's not only do you, they have wonderful features and they're cute and they're pretty. Because by the time they get 90, that might change. Just saying. Just saying. You ever see the funeral program and you see the young picture of the person that's there? The person's 90 years old and you see a picture when they're 23, you go, wow. <laughs> because those things change. But one thing that really brings couples together is the fact that they know how to work together. 
they know how to work together. So here's why it's so hard. Can I tell you why it's so hard? Because society has taken the work out of everything. So years ago, when we first came together, we worked on a lot of things. My wife and I worked on a lot of things together. So, things like learning how to figure out how to cook something together. Just trying to figure it out. She was trying, I was trying. We were kind of cool, you know, we're trying. We're trying, you know, but it's okay. We ain't dead, you know, little, little belly disruption, but that, that nothing bad. You know, had a little belly disruption, you know. Nothing that Pepto-Bismol couldn't take care of. But, you know, we worked, out our, we worked out our stuff. We started working. So the first year of our marriage, we decided that we would not have a TV. We decided not to have a TV. We were advised by Bishop Gideon Thompson not to have a television. We thought he was insane. We thought he was crazy. Because I grew up with a television in my room. So you know I was having withdrawals. <laughs> you know, I was, I was having convulsions. I, I, grew up, I grew up having a TV in my room, a color TV. Praise God. <laughs> then we got married. They said, no, no TV. We're not going to buy a TV for a year, at least a year. So my father thought we were so crazy for our anniversary. Guess what he did? He bought us a TV. Because <laughs> he said, no. he said, I can't stand you all. <laughs> I can't stand you that pain that you're not having a TV. But during that year, we learned how to work together. So our first apartment, we sanded floors together. We sanded the floors. We moved furniture. You pick up the leg, I'll pick up a leg. Let's go. But see, nowadays, those opportunities are, are, are kind of off the shelf or to the side because we can get everything by technology. You don't have to cook nothing. Just call, just do Grubhub. You're, you're done. Right? You really don't know how each other really works because you're sitting in the movie theater and everybody's watching the screen. You don't know, you don't know how that person works. They're laughing at what's going on up there and enjoying the picture. You don't know if they can cook. Then that takes work. <laughs> huh? And so by working together, I said, oh, I can get with this sister. This sister can work. I said, this sister can work. I said, that sister, we can, we can do some stuff because she can work. And still working. <laughs> And stewardship is really about the coming together and collaborating around your work. Yes. So we bought a house. My wife was working. I was working. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to work together. Here's how we're going to work together. We're going to have two incomes and live off of one. That's going to be our strategy. So we're going to get paid twice and spend only one thing. So by the time we're ready for our down payment of our house, we can write a check and not be nervous. 
But that comes from working together. Now, if I am on my own working, Adam, and my wife gives me Eve, and she on her own working, we are not utilizing our collaborative efforts or resources because we're siloed. You're in your cave, she's in, your, in the other cave, and you're trying to get something done, and you can't mobilize your resources. And because of that, you're not getting any further, and you're frustrated and say, how we make all this money and can't get nothing? Because you don't collaborate in stewardship. That's why. I, have a lot, I know a lot of people that have way more money than me, and they have way less than I do because they know how to collaborate. They just know how to work together. They don't know how to strategize. They don't know how to give way. So my wife, in order to live off of one income, she had to make her clothes. Did anybody leave? (laughs) She made her clothes. And my kids, she made their clothes too. I'm talking about sewing. I'm talking about patterns. I'm talking about needle and pin and thread. Every day was cooking on the stove. Going out was a luxury. We had staycations. You know what staycation is? That means you don't go anywhere, but you're on vacation. All right, we're going to the museum, honey. Let's go to the museum. Uh, well, we've been to all the museums, but we haven't been to the children's museum. Let's go to the children's museum. I know we ain't children. Let's go. Let's ride the duck boat. <laughs> Collaboration. Same mindset. And you will get further if you understand the principle of stewardship. One heart, one vision. Adam had one heart, one vision until Satan came in and said, hey, you don't want to do no stewardship under God. See that tree? Go ahead and get it. He's trying to hold something back from you. And that's how we all fell into sin. So let me wrap up with a few questions, okay? I'm done. So when it comes to stewardship under God, here's a question. What kind of access has God blessed you with? What kind of access has God blessed you with? Access is a blessing. Do you realize that? Access is a blessing. I, I, I shudder to think that my dad could not walk into certain stores when he was young. When I was young, I didn't go to South Boston. I didn't ride the red line. I, got, I thought the end of the line was Washington Street. Anything, anything, anything in Southie? Can't go there. Access. College College graduates, you are blessed because you have access to that. You got, a, you got some kind of scholarship that was about access. And how could you sit there and not utilize all that God gave you when you have access? It's just unbelievable. 
He gave you access. What kind of access has God blessed you with? Maybe he's blessed you with good people. Access to important and high level people. That's, that's access. There's certain things that I can do that someone else can't do because I have access. So I can pick up a phone and call somebody that you can't call because I have access. Now the question is, how do I use that access under God? Oh my. Evaluate the access that you have. Some of you are in this country. Oh, it got quiet. Your ancestors came to this country. My ancestors came. It was access. I am blessed because of access. And if I sit around and just fumble around, when I have access, that is not utilizing good stewardship. Secondly, what are you responsible for? What are you responsible for? Well, I ain't responsible for nothing. The world is just going down the hill. I ain't responsible for nothing. It's just me and me. No, you ain't. No, you're responsible. God is holding us responsible. When you come into church, and because you're part of church, there's a responsibility that goes with that. You're born into a family. You're responsible. I'm responsible for my sister. I'm responsible to my other sister. My dad's like, I'm responsible for them. Honor your father and mother. That's responsibility. When they get old, if you can take care of them, take care of them. Oh, I hear no amens on that. Honor your father and mother. My wife was a great example of that. Her father never really took care of her, and he, she took care of him until he died. What are you responsible for? Third one, what stewardship guidelines are you operating under? What, what, you, what, steward, what guidelines are you operating under as a believer? Do you operate on the guidelines of the world or you operate under God's guidelines? So here tithing and giving is not a problem for me because it's under his guidelines. Well, what am I getting out of it? It ain't about what you get out of it. It's about God's guidelines. What am I getting out of it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what you're getting out of it. You're getting God's 90%. <laughs> That's what you're getting out of it. <laughs> and you're blessed by having it. Now, when we get into that, you're going to see some things that we're going to share about tithing. Don't stay home from church. Don't stay home from church. Do you have accountability in your life regarding your stewardship? That's the next question. Do you have accountability? Next slide. Do you have accountability in your life regarding stewardship? Does anybody ask you, did you go to the doctor this year? I don't go to doctors. I'm 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 healed. Well, let's go check. <laughs> check. We ain't going to go check. We might find something to pray about. Right? Stewardship. Years ago, when we were kids, 
and we said we were going out, my, my parents would always say, where are you going? And I remember I was old enough to kind of make some decisions. I have a freedom, and I said, I'm going out. <laughs> so they would say, well, out where? Well, I said, I'm just going out. And they'll say, well, who you going out with? And it got to a point where they said, you know, you, you might live here, but this is my house. And as long as I live, you live in my house, I can ask questions. Nobody asks anybody any questions anymore, do they? So if you're missing from church, people say, where you been? What difference is it? You, 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 you stalking me or something? Because we don't want to say we don't want to be accountable. We just don't. We just don't like it. We, we run from it. We shy away from it. In fact, when Adam was called into accountability, where did he go? He ran. And when you get into discipleship, you cannot have discipleship without accountability. That's what's wrong with the church. That's what's wrong with the church. We're not accountable. And the last question is, because we can't take no more. Are you, are you willing to participate fully in the stewardship with others to maximize the ministry of Christ in the church? That's about collaboration. The word collaboration is being a co-laborer. That's why you can't have collaboration unless you have people that labor together. So ministry, church, is collaborative effort. That's why Pastor Lorraine came to all the churches, because we have to have, if we're going to address mental health, we have to have collaborative effort. We can't just have one church. You got to have a lot of churches. Collaboration. And so to maximize ministry, you got to bring yourself fully to the collaborative. Oh my. You hear, hear what I'm saying? Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I, I have to bring myself fully and be fully engaged in collaborative efforts. So I can't say, well, I'm going to give my mind, but I'm not going to give nothing else. So I give good ideas, but did I bring all of what I am to the collaborative effort? And the reason why we're not getting the mileage, could you, could you hold it for a minute? The reason, the reason why we're not getting the mileage, okay? The reason I want to hold the music because I want you to hear this. The reason why the church, Big C, is not making headway because we don't know how to co-labor. We know, we know the word co-labor, but we don't know how to do it. Leaders don't know how to collaborate because we don't bring our full selves to the table. We're too busy competing. We're too busy competing. We're too busy trying to outshine the other person. We're too busy asking who got the biggest church. We're too busy asking, well, how much money do you got? 
We're too busy being prophets and apostles. <laughs> and we can't collaborate. And it goes all the way down to, to membership. Well, I don't want to go to your church because what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? We don't want to give our resources. We don't want to lend anything. We don't want to give anything more than what is beneficial to us because we don't know how to co-labor. And God has to change our hearts so we can operate in great stewardship. Change our hearts, God. This morning, this afternoon, I'm going to ask you to stand. God wants to bless you with more. Can you say that? God wants to bless me with more. And the reason why God wants to bless you with more because he has a function for you. But for this function to happen, you got to enter into another level of stewardship under God. I want to pray for, as, as, as a church that we will be open to deeper and higher and broader levels of stewardship. Because God wants to bless us. He really does. He wants to pour down rain, but he needs somebody in the garden getting ready for the harvest. If you need prayer today for your stewardship, it could be for your body, for your money, stewardship for your job. If you need prayer, I want you to come here right now and receive prayer. I want to pray over your stewardship. I want to pray over your stewardship. I want to pray over your stewardship. Here's what I sense. God is going to set you up for some really powerful blessings in your life. But he's waiting for you to enlarge your capacity in managing what he has called you to manage. There's going to be some help that you need to do it. Anybody know what I mean by help? See, Adam was there while he was a powerful man, perfect. He needed help. My wife helps me. Thank God she helps me. Ladies, if you married, help that brother. Please, for God's sake, help that brother. For God's sake, help that brother. Help him. My dad's ministry would not have been what it was unless my mother helped him. I knew how she helped him. She worked 40 hours and played that organ relentlessly for 40 years. No pay. Because she wanted to be a good steward. So today, God is raising our level to receive blessing from him.
Would you just raise your hand and just say, Lord, Lord, I, I, I want to be a steward under your authority. Help me, Lord, to manage what you have given to me. Help me, Lord, to do what is right with what you have given to me. Help me to broaden my understanding of stewardship so I can handle and manage and function in all that you have called me to be and do. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you. As we stand here today, Lord, you have blessed us with so much. God, we we sometimes miss the opportunity to say thank you. Lord, you blessed us with health. You blessed us, Lord. You you blessed us with children. You blessed us with places to live. You, you, you brought us, Lord, our ancestors to this country. For some of us, this is, we are the first ones to get college degrees, Lord. And Lord, we're the first ones, Lord, Father, who got scholarships. We're the first ones to be able to buy our own house, Lord. We're, we're the first ones that we can go and buy a car. We can, we, Lord, you have blessed us to go in and buy clothes and, Lord, get food. And, and so all the things that you have blessed us with requires that we be good stewards. Thank you, Father, that under you, you will help not only us to be blessed, but, Lord, you'll be a channel of blessing through us to other people. Thank you for raising the level of this church. Thank you for raising the level of this church in collaborative efforts, Lord, that, God, we're not going to be crabs in the bucket. God, we, 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 we reject being crabs in the bucket. We're not going to try to pull somebody down so someone else can get ahead. We don't need to do that, God, because, God, what is for us is for us. And, Father, as you bless my brother and sister, you are also blessing me, too. And, Father, so, Lord, I don't have to be jealous and I don't have to be egotistical. I don't have to pull anybody back to get ahead. I don't have to elbow anybody to get in front of them. I don't have to cut anybody off to try to get something but God I thank you right now because God we're one in you we're one and when one gets blessed and when one gets blessed and when one gets blessed God we all get blessed we all get blessed so I thank you Lord for a collaborative spirit in this church and not only in this church among the churches that surround us Pray that we'll stop being competitive and stop being jealous and stop, oh God, envying one another and stop being, being, oh God, Father, this person that says, oh, I'm not really happy for you or why you, why is it me? But Lord, I pray that we break that spirit of competition and Father, that spirit of envy in the name of Jesus. Thank you for old and young. Thank you, oh God, we don't have to compete with the young and the old. But God, thank you for the wisdom of the old. And thank you for the strength of the young. And as we work together, God, we can do some great things for you. We can do some great things for you. So, Father, we just thank you for breaking down every wall of division. Gender division. Social economic division. Racial division. So we can collaborate to be good stewards of all that you blessed us with. This I ask you, God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, I bless you.
in Jesus' name. Would you give God praise? Would you put your hand on your mind also? And let's just make some declarations. Just repeat after me. Say, I will no longer think small. I will no longer think small. I will no longer see myself as small. I will no longer see myself as small. I am more than enough. I am more than enough. Because greater is he. Because greater is he. That is in me. That is in me. Than he. Than he. That is in the world. That is in the world. I renew my mind. I renew my mind. With the word. With the word. I give the spirit of the living God. I give the spirit of the living God. Permission. Permission. To flow through me. To flow through me. I will think God's thoughts. I will think God's thoughts. I will function God's ways. I will function God's ways. I choose. I choose. To see. To see. My brother and sister. My brother and sister. As who they are. As who they are. In Christ Jesus. As I see myself. I see myself. In Christ Jesus. I am the head. I am the head. And not the tail. I am, not the tail. I am above. And not beneath. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am part of the anointed body of believers. And greater is he, and greater is he, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let's rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now that you've made that confession, just look at somebody and you need to say it. This is a piece of accountability. Find somebody just to look, find a neighbor, look a neighbor in the eye, find somebody around you. Look them in the eye, look them in the eye, tell them I am a good steward for God. Find somebody else. Find somebody else. Say, I am a good steward for God. Now, come on. Find one more person. One more person. One more person. Say, I am a good steward for God. Come on. Greet your neighbor. Greet your neighbor. You're good stewards. Come on. We're good stewards. Come on. We're good stewards. We're good stewards. Yes. We're good stewards. We're good stewards. Ending reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down Fights till I'm found Leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming If you wouldn't mind holding your neighbor's hand, let's close out in prayer. Know that this word of stewardship is going to be challenged this week. But here's your opportunity to pass the test. So when there is an opportunity for you to serve, which there are some opportunities this month, everyone in this house this month, either on the closet or on the Heaven or Hell Halloween or on even coffee hour. So here's a real opportunity for you to serve. Those of you that like to serve and to talk to people and to bless people, you just like to help. The third Sunday of this month is coffee hour. 
We're looking for a leader. We're looking for someone who's willing to say, I'm going to help and not just help, but I'm going to lead that area. We're also looking for people that are saying, I'm willing to help. I want to make sure that every birthday, now September wasn't celebrated yet, so we have September and October. We need to celebrate these birthdays. We have some wonderful cupcakes that are going to be coming, and we want to celebrate them. If that is you, at the, either see, um, I'm going to have you see, who can I have you see? I'm going to have you see, who can I have you see? Sharon, I'm going to have you receive these names for me, please. Sharon will be by the connect table. She's wearing black and white. If you're like, I can help just this month for coffee hour. I'm only asking for this month, for, for October. See Sharon after service. That means setting up, cleaning up. Here's your opportunity to be a steward. Okay, simple. Tell Sharon. And if you say, well, you know what? I'm convicted, and not only can I do coffee hour, I can also do, I can help with the candy and help set up heaven or hell. Let her know that as well. She'll take wherever you can help, okay? She'll take wherever you can help. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and this time. We're so grateful for the reminder that we are your stewards. Forgive us for where we have not stewarded what you've given to us properly. But, Lord, we're choosing from this day. We've changed our minds. We are now new thinkers for you. So, Father, we pray in your name that you would empower us that we can live out the call you've placed on each and every one of us. And for those of us that are still seeking, Lord, why am I here and what have you asked me to do? Let us be diligent in the little things you ask of us first, that we can receive the full understanding of the call. So, Father, as we leave this place, we don't leave with your, without your blessings. We leave with your blessings. Go before us, be our rear God and go with us. Bless our families, our relationships, our jobs, our schools, our neighborhoods, our communities. And bless the world in general, God. May your peace fill the earth. May your glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. We bless you, we honor you, we praise you. Thank you, Daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Be sure to greet your neighbor before you go. Have a blessed week, everybody. Amen.